0: Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. I'm Kyle Brost, a strategist and changemaker. I'm the CEO of Spark Policy Institute, founder and principal at Choice Strategy Group, and contributor to Forbes, Thrive Global, and Influencer. I lead at the intersection of strategy and impact, where I turn ordinary individuals into strategists and change makers. Let's get started. Hey, 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 folks, this is Kyle Brose with the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. Today we have on Tanya Ezekiel, who is a powerhouse when it comes to leadership and coaching. She has a wealth of experience in the corporate sector, leading organizations, leading teams, and she has taken that wealth of experience and transferred it into her own enterprise, Conductive, which is all around leadership and team transformation, executive coaching, career development. And she's built a team of Around herself in that organization and is continuing to push the organization to do new and interesting things. We'll get to some of that later on. But first, I just want to welcome Tanya to the podcast. Tanya, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Kyle. Happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. We're excited to hear about this wealth of experience you have uh, within corporations and leading your own small business and what that's been like. So can you tell us uh How you got here? I mean, obviously, the Reader's Digest version of what takes somebody from corporate America into small business, running your own shop.
1: Absolutely. So uh, I'm originally from Montreal. So I was uh, born and raised in Montreal, and I had my heart set on becoming a trader on Wall Street at the age of 19. So I found my way uh, to to Cornell to do my MBA after I graduated from McGill, and from then I was really had my heart set on it so i did everything i could to get onto the trading floor so uh, two years later i became a trader at uh, solomon brothers i was a bond options trader that's where i started my career i was one of uh, five women around the world when uh, finance companies were still uh, relatively small and uh, and um uh, in size so solomon if if you if you recall or if your readers listeners recall was was a real powerhouse in bonds so it was a dream come true so, over the following uh, ten or fifteen years, I rose through the ranks in the trading world in the markets, and had obviously my own responsibilities became a managing director. I ran a global team for Bank of America, where I left my role as a managing director in 2008 so that was one of the obviously my career had many pivot points along the way, and the hindsight is 2020 know, so when you when you think back, uh, you realize that the little the little things that happened along the way were actually part of a bigger picture, but it's not always obvious at the time. So like when I was in, in trading, I was I had a very technical job, obviously, but I wanted to make it really understandable for clients. And then when I moved into sales, I had a very client facing job, but I wanted to bring the technical aspects of the products and the markets to the clients. So when I think back of how I adapted myself uh, to the client needs along Along the ways and having an intuitive sense for what people needed to hear, that was really differentiating. Uh, it it makes it made more sense later than it did at the time. So in 2008, uh, I was in my mid mid 30s at at the time and had my my own aha. Uh-huh, I guess it was the it was the summer of 08, and uh, in that in the few months before that, I uh, sort of stumbled upon my spiritual turning point, which I didn't really know was coming, didn't really know existed. And in the, in the, in the spring of 08, uh, um, I, one thing had led to another. And I suddenly realized that I was meeting people who were really opening my mind about how the, how the universe really worked, which seemed to be a lot more than, than I was focusing on in my day-to-day hustle of goal, achieve goal, achieve set goal envision goal, achieve goal next. And I had done that for, for so long, I guess, since to, as long as I had known myself, I, that's how I had operated. And in the spring of 08, someone introduced me to, in my case, it was Kabbalah. It's not, you know, everyone has their own way of getting to the truth. And, uh, and within eight weeks of starting to to study spirituality, essentially, and experience it and live it, I walked out of my, um, of my job and, Uh, It was an interesting time. Everyone was shocked. Everyone told me not to do it. It was the summer of 08, right before the crisis really hit. Mind you, we knew the crisis was unfolding, being in the wholesale business, but it didn't really hit the fan (laughs) until September 08. And against against all recommendations, I said, no, it's time. It's time for me to move on. Uh, The lights just came on and I, I walked into my manager's office in July of 08. I said, I'm done. And they said, how could you now? People are hanging on to their seats. And this is not the time to to do uh, to walk out. I said, well, I'm going to take the next six months to figure out what's next for me. And I might just be back in January or else something else will happen. And I really felt, I felt the level of certainty in my decision making that I had never had before and i think it really was because i had tapped into this this system that w- that was empowering me i had tapped into a wisdom that was empowering me saying everything happens for a reason and you have to believe in a bigger picture and you have to believe there's more out there than what you're experiencing day to day and that my experience had been limited to my 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 five senses right it had been limited to what i i saw and could hear and feel and touch around me and when when that turning point came for me, personally, I just got this wind in my sails that said, "No fear, I'm just I'm just making a leap, and the right thing will happen." And so I walked out. Uh, I I took the next six months off. I went kite surfing. My husband was a managing director at Credit Suisse at the time. He said, "If not now, then when," and uh, and I hit the road. I packed my kite bang. I went to the Caribbean. I went to Australia and on the water, things got really, really clear for me. And which you, know, you sort of don't like, for me, it was about kite surfing. But now, as I understand where people get inspiration, you know, nature had a lot to do with it. And the water put me into a different state and kitesurfing, which was really hard, put me into a state of flow where I could actually sort of download what, um, visions for me ahead. So at this point, uh, early 2009, 2010, I'm doing a variety of, of projects and jobs. So obviously my network is calling me in to do different things. And I realized that the projects weren't exciting me as much as the the transformation of the people. So I would go home excited, most excited the days that somebody would say, Hey, can I buy, buy you lunch and pick your brain? I have this commission issue that I need to talk to my boss about, and I just don't know how to talk to them. And, and that was the day that I'd go home with a skip in my stride, like feeling, feeling like I had tapped into something really powerful. So of course, a friend of mine pointed me in the direction of IPEC, which is the coaching school that I got certified by. And uh, again, you know, there's, there's so much, there's so much that seems obvious and planned in any of our stories. And then there's, and then there's this serendipitous stuff that we don't even see until later that, you know, that meeting a friend for a juice at Whole Foods and her saying, you should be a coach. And I said, well, what's coaching? And she said, call IPEC and find out. And before you know it, I'm in an IPEC coaching class. And from the first weekend. In that class, I knew this is what I would do for the rest of my life. There was just no turning back. Once I realized that with the little tools, the little techniques, what was happening for people I didn't know in like the group exercises in ten minutes, something was happening for them that I didn't even know was possible. So so that's where my coaching career started.
0: Wow. So there's there's a ton of ground to cover in this. Um and I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning. I just want to explore: How does a 19-year-old girl in Montreal see trading as an avenue that she wants to pursue? How did that come about? Where did that idea come from? Did you have family that was trading? Did you have exposure to it?
1: Uh, it's it's so you know it goes back to the like in hindsight things are so obvious, right? And at the time it felt so random. Uh, no, my family. Uh, was was not in the industry at all we really were in a uh had a very different upbringing from from what uh is my my kids will now experience in in new York i read liars poker and the reason i read liars poker is because i was in a finance class i was doing a finance undergrad at at McGill and i was taking international finance and the teach the, the professor was teaching us about options and and i thought those were the coolest I don't know why I just got, I just thought the idea of a bond option or an FX option, which is the way we learned it at the time was just the coolest concept. And I, I guess Liar's Poker had just come out at the time. The Mike, Michael Lewis I think it was his first book. And I read Liar's Poker and just fell in love with the story. And then McGill, their class at McGill had a trip to wall street. And as it happened, they took us to the Solomon brothers trading floor. Um, It was a one day trip on Wall Street and they took us to Solomon Brothers and then Yamaichi Securities, which I'm not even sure they're around anymore either. So and I walked onto the Solomon Brothers training floor with a couple dozen students and the energy of the floor. Now, remember, this goes back to the early 90s. There was a lot more noise on the floors. There wasn't, you know, people weren't typing and instant chatting as much anymore. There were people were standing and screaming and calling out orders and, and talking over what we called the, the box at the time. And the, the buzz was just exhilarating. And so when I knew that each, each one on that floor was doing something that like the products behind it were so fascinating and the finance products and the option products, but then there was the energy of the floor. So there I was in a finance class, liar's poker that of course told us about the Solomon brothers trading floor. And then what do you know? I'm on the Solomon brothers trading floor that the book was written about. And I just, uh, I just fell in love. I, as, as you can tell, I get really, I get really excited about things. And when I feel that passion, I, I just go all in. And that's what it was from that point on. I went back, I wrote a letter to Solomon brothers and they said, thanks sweet girl from Montreal. But no, and I just kept writing and writing. And then I figured i got to get an MBA to get there. So then I wrote to Cornell and my application to Cornell said, I'm coming to Cornell because I want to study with, with professors um, Peter Carr and Bob Jarrow, who are derivatives professors so that I could be an options trader at Solomon brothers. And they probably thought, great, a 23 year old who actually knows what she wants to do with herself with her MBA when she graduates. So, so that's the, the, the scene by scene action that led me there.
0: Well, what a great example of what you were saying earlier, just how all of these pieces fit together. Each one of those things that you shared is this small experience in and of itself. And yet when you hear it all put together, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: And, it, and it's really like, a, it's, it's a small story in so many ways. It's just like, it's just a 19 year old girl in Montreal, like far from everything else. And, and it just shows that we really, we really don't know what can happen. Like, anything is possible.
0: Yeah. I mean, who would have guessed at that point in time that your pursuit and those letters and all of that would lead to where it's led today, which is even farther away from where you desired desire to go initially. Um, but that's just how life takes us.
1: Yeah. So there's a grand plan.
0: So I was actually, as you were talking about your own personal transformation and you are talking about kind of a shift in mindset um, and you shared, you know, Kabbalah was uh, something that did it for you or helped you find a path. Um, I was with a client last week, actually, um, and we just talked about this, uh, 25 Broadway um, in Manhattan. And one of the questions we were talking about as a, as a group is the idea of what it takes for change to happen. So they're a nonprofit organization that's trying to create change and, uh, and they work with this large network of uh, nonprofits and other people who are trying to create change. And so this question came up, if we're going to try to make things happen, if we're going to really have the impact we want, we have to understand how change happens. And so we spent a couple of days really asking that question, how does change happen? And so I'd love to hear from your own experience, your own transformation, what primed you to be ready for that change? And then through your uh, coaching experience, how do you help other people be primed or ready or uh, willing to experience those kind of changes?
1: It's a great story. And if, if you think about it, there's, there's a trigger event, right? And the trigger event, I wouldn't say the trigger event makes the next chapter happen, but it's sort of awaken something that's already there. So I think the first thing we have to know is that this is this isn't a discovery process as much as it is an activation process, right? So I read Liars Poker. Did Liars Poker make me a trader on Wall Street? No, right? But but Liars Poker and me listening to to something that was awakened in me unfolded the next sequence of events. So just like Kabbalah, did did Kabbalah? make me spiritual? No, but it was a trigger that awakened me and then gave me a framework that I found, that I found a bit of structure in, right? So like I read the, it's it's it just clicked for me that I, that I, my discovery to Kabbalah was also a book, The Power of Kabbalah. And I don't necessarily see books as, especially being a coach, you know, we say, yeah, you can read the book, but are you really going to make the change? You know, so I don't necessarily see books as what Creates the change, right? But they can be a trigger. Like you can read a book and think, "Wow, something just something just happened when I when I read that book." Like once I allowed that wisdom or that information in, then something was awakened. And when you have that awakening, the first thing to do is to not stop it, right? And that's where that that's what because either of these. Like I could have said, "Wall Street, who am I?" right? Like my parents didn't even go to college. Like what, I, I, my parents didn't go to college. I have no money to go to Cornell. Like who am I to make my way to Wall Street? Like all of those things are, are possible. So the the first thing is don't stop the possibilities, like get out of the way, right? So so the first, that, that first awareness of there's a voice that comes and, you know, we don't know, there's enough material for a conference of where that voice comes from and, and how it gets there. But, but to just see like, well, there's a voice that could actually stop me from reading the Kabbalah book and taking a Kabbalah class and then opening my mind up to something that I've never heard before. Right. So the first thing is stop that voice just, and, and, and so there's a trigger event and that trigger event, opens, opens your mind to opportunities and possibilities. And
0: yeah, so this is, this is very similar to, uh, something the leader, the listeners have heard me say before. Um, it, it's similar in that I, I often tell people that this idea of purpose and direction and fulfillment, these big concepts, they're not things to be discovered. It's not like a treasure that you're trying to uh, to uncover somewhere that's already out there. They're things that you create. So through your own choice and action and effort and passion, through you know not letting that voice take over that's going to stop or kill opportunity, through those things, you actually create purpose. And yet, when you think of purpose as something that you're going to uncover, like it's hidden out there... Um, it takes away that ownership of, you know what, I can actually create these things by making these choices, by putting myself out there. And so when you're sharing the example of that voice that can actually stop you and, you know, just not stopping yourself as kind of that impetus, that first piece, it made me think of that in terms of how do you create or start that process of creating purpose? Well, it's to not stop yourself when when you have these opportunities when you have these moments where you want to pursue something rather than getting bashful about it whether than getting embarrassed whether than getting worried or concerned and letting yourself stop actually just allowing yourself to embrace it for a little while
1: it's so spot on Kyle like we don't we don't create purpose right we unveil it we release it we awaken it right it's it's there and it's more it's more than it could be more than one right but but what we do is when it wants to reveal itself, we say, huh, interesting. That's possible. What if I just took one step to see what can happen? And, and so you know, when I first started, uh, I first started the company as, as careercoach.com. And as a, I started as a career coach because I realized people were coming to me like, how did you change your career? Right. So I thought, well, I guess I'll be a career coach. So then I started telling everybody, I'm a career coach. And I would say, anywhere I would go, I'd go to a dinner with friends. I'd go to a party. What do you do? I'm a career coach. And everyone would say, Huh, oh, I need a career coach. And I say, just first ones on me, come talk to me. So, so was that my purpose? Well, there was only one way of finding out. And so when I first started as a career coach, I wrote uh, hundred career tips and career tip number 29, which I think is still probably my favorite. Cause I use it all the time is clarity through action. So, when you talk about big words like purpose, people want the clarity of their purpose before they take action. No, no. Take action. The clarity of your purpose will be will reveal itself through your actions. So that's what I, th- I think a lot of times when it, it, we can inti- we can get ourselves intimidated by these big words. And um, fulfillment, who, what's fulfillment, right? Um, so that's the thing, like purpose will reveal itself as you take an action to awaken it, to get it to be more clear. So clarity through action, not clarity before action.
0: Hmm, I like that, but, but so many people are in that place where they are to your point point. Trying to get clarity before action. They think that they have to have clarity before they go out to act. And I, I wonder if some of that is this assumption. You know, we don't have enough of these conversations to uncover some of this stuff as kind of a society in general. And so I wonder if some of that idea of wanting or feeling like you need all of this clarity before you take action is the misunderstanding that somebody who's achieved a whole lot, somebody who appears to be living the life you want has all of that clarity or got it. And so then you look and in contrast, you say, well, I don't have all that clarity, so I can't be that person. I can't become that person. And yet if we had more of these personal conversations, more of these intimate discussions, we'd come to find out that most people out there didn't have clarity before they started, didn't have clarity when they started. And they may not even fully have clarity Yet. So I would say personally that I feel like I am living a fulfilled life, so to speak, however you want to define that term. To me, I'm satisfied, I'm fulfilled with my life. And yet, if you ask me for clarity around several parts of my life, I couldn't give it to you. I couldn't say, Yes, this is what I'm trying to do right now. And yet, I'm happy, I'm satisfied, I'm fulfilled, I'm progressing. And there are probably plenty of people out there looking at me who think that I have all of this clarity, and I don't.
1: When, when by the time we see your picture, though, it's clear to us, right? And that's why. So we we don't see the you know like on your phone um, when you take like I know I have a three year old and a six year old, so. Every time I take a picture of them, I have to take 15 shots because right? because one of them is going to get the mm-hmm. heart that as my favorite, right? One and the others are just not going to work out, but I don't, I'm not going to post the 14 other shots. So, so if you look at me and I post my perfect shot, you think, wow, she's got the perfect clear picture. You didn't see the 14 other shots that made that 15th shot, right? So, so it's this, so by the time I see your clear picture, I think you have one Clear picture, and I have to find my one clear picture. Well, first of all, there isn't mm-hmm. one clear yeah. picture. There's if 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 you believe in this, I know I do. There are parallel universes of many clear pictures, right? So it's it's knowing that every single decision I make, when I make it in a way that supports my values, what's important to me, what uh, what I know is supporting others that what I know, the the decisions, you know, when I'm in at a point of not sure what my next decision is. And I ask myself, is it, you know, is it in loving kindness to others? Is it in loving kindness to myself? Now, you know, sometimes we take that to an extreme to say, well, if I'm operating in loving kindness, then am I really operating in, in the most uh, commercially uh, sound or profitable way? You know, you have to have a bigger picture view to that. Right? Maybe maybe it doesn't seem like that every single step, but in the long run, that's what's going to guide you to your clear to your clear pictures.
0: So, what do you think distinguishes a person who has this maybe already embedded in them this idea that there are many routes, uh, potential routes in their life, and that um, that maybe it's not as critical that they find the right one. That and I'm doing air quotes uh, when I say that. Uh, maybe it's not as critical that they find the right route, but that they recognize that there are many routes to to whatever is is they're looking for out of life. What distinguishes the person who believes that there's this right route and may be struggling because they can't find that right thing and the person who believes that they can make the best out of any route and uh, any path, any journey? And find meaning in that.
1: Wow, that's a complex question, Kyle. Um, well, <laughs> because you're, you're you're talking about um, sort of the 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 DNA of a person, right? You're talking about their and whether that's a spiritual, emotional, mental, physical. There's so many so many uh, DNAs, right? You're talking about the DNA of a person, and you know, in the long run, and you know, as as, as in your coaching as well. It's, a, it's only a starting point, right? So we, we don't necessarily change personalities or we don't change our, our natural makeup. Um, and and there's, an, you know, there's an intelligence and there's a code to that, but we can modify the behaviors once we know what that map is. So you know, in, in our business, we take a very data-based approach to this. And of course, nothing we've talked about is particularly data-based, but we've, we've managed to create a data-based approach to this, which is, first of all, assess yourself and understand what's my, what's my default. Like, if I don't make any effort to modify my behavior to get better results, then what am I likely to produce on my own? It's important to understand that baseline and that starting point. And we do that through leadership assessments and team, team assessments. It's also important to understand the starting point isn't the end point. The starting point is this snapshot of awareness that says, here's here's my default nature. Here's my personality, whatever you want to call it, depending on how you're assessing the situation. And knowing that, here are some choices I can make to to get different results. So, So this kind of answers two questions. One, there is no one answer. The perfectionist, which, you know, as perfection is the enemy of good, right? The perfectionist might start and restart and restart and hit the reset button key, with trying to look for that perfect picture, there is no one perfect picture, but there's a lot of amazing pictures. There are even more great pictures, right? If we keep looking for that perfect picture, we're, we're constantly looking for that clarity through action. And without action, we're not actually going to produce results, not for ourselves and not for anybody else. So we have to understand that any time we slow down our process, and by slowing down, I'm, this certainly I'm all for making a plan and putting yourself through a process, which is why coaching is so powerful. Because po- coaching gets me to a point and say, okay, here's my natural, right? Here's here's me, au naturel. And, and with the right chemistry, right? The right chemistry code with my coach, I can bring out the best in me, And create multiple scenarios that will work out not just for myself and for others. I mentioned, I'm always going to mention others because if we're not looking to create good for others, then the universe is not going to reveal as many positive outcomes for ourselves because if it's just for me, you know, why? Like, why would I be shown the best scenario that's only good for me? It's just energy doesn't flow that way energy flows in circuitry energy flows that if i plug myself into the circuit to be part of the good for others and for humanity and, and 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 for community then more good will flow through me well guess what if more good flows through me i'm going to feel great
0: so i like the way that you're framing and talking about this i love this you know data approach i love being able to see multiple paths and how to kind of choose one that's going to be right for now, um, and rely on strengths. If I'm that, if I'm this individual, how do I accelerate that process? So to, when I, when I hear you talking about it, it feels like a long process. How do I accelerate it? That's
1: a good question. It's, it's never as long a process as it seems because we have to think of it as stages and, and, and the next stage will not be revealed before we engage in the first stage. So um, it's like a, a, it's like any coaching process. I don't have to sit there and say, oh, oh, Kyle, I'll work with you for the next 10 years. That's not a good plan, right? Uh, because if I know that I'm going to be here for 10 years, then I'm not really motivated to make immediate change, right? So the, the most important thing is to embark on a journey and commit to a process, and so when we make that commitment to change, and we don't even know, have, have to know what the change is. And this is the part I really, I really want to emphasize. You don't have to know what's going to happen. You just have to show up and be committed to a relationship and to a process. It's that simple. Commit. Find the right chemistry with a coach, with a mentor, with, with someone who's going to support a process for you, who's going to usher a process for you, and, and show up for that process. So there's really two decisions you have to make, right? One is who and how. You don't even need to know what's going to come out of it. Because I guarantee you, if you commit three months, that's it. Three months at a time. Six months, if you really feel like you want to be in it with a, for a longer game, even better. But in six months, there's no way you can, at this moment in time, imagine what can happen in six months. We really don't know. But at the end of six months, you say, wow, these happened. Now I want, you know, these things happened in my life. This is what I thought I was going to get. This is what actually unfolded for me. Then you can commit to another six months. So we don't actually ask our clients to commit to very long periods of time because we know that by just showing up, things are going to happen for them. And, and we are experienced coaches. We've been doing this a long time now. We know that we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that the system works.
0: So you're saying that your expertise is to give the framework of the process. You're not necessarily starting at the beginning and saying, hey, here's the goal that we're going to pursue. We're going to you know, go after this goal and we're going to unpack it and we're going to build out how we're going fic- to you know, achieve this goal. What you're saying is I don't know necessarily what the goal is or maybe some cases you do, but there are times when you don't know necessarily what the goal is. But you have a process that you say, look, if we use this process together, then the results that will happen over the next 90 days or six months are going to be phenomenal.
1: We have a system and it works. It's, it's, it's that's And really, it's easy to say in hindsight, right? Because we've coached you know thousands of people at this point in, in eight years' time. So uh, – and, and the reason we don't say – like if you come in and you say, oh, I, I hate my job. I want a new job. We say, okay, great. So here's the process. You come in and you say – um, I don't know. I want to start a company. Uh, we say, okay, great. Here's the process. And the reason being, we don't know that in, in, I'm going to say in three, four weeks, it's like in, in three, four sessions even, right. Uh, or if we spend like an all day together and then a a, a, a few sessions at that point, if you're still committed to that one goal, whatever it is, then I would say then that that's more likely to be the goal we, we pursue. It's not always the goal you come in with. And we don't judge. You can have any goal you want. It doesn't matter. We just trust the process.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, it, uh, it's really interesting to me because I feel like in my own coaching practice, I have something that I think is unique and yet you're calling out some very similar things. So one of the things that I talk to clients about that I think is unique about my own coaching practice that you're touching on right now is most coaches... Uh, in my experience, most coaches come at it from the goal perspective, which is if you want to get satisfaction out of coaching, let's pick a big goal for you and we'll figure out how to help you achieve that goal. In our coaching practice, we actually do an assessment upfront to help us figure out, are you really a goal-oriented person or are you a process-oriented person? Some people find a ton of fulfillment and satisfaction and, and in the achievement of something. Other people find their fulfillment and satisfaction in the pursuit of something. They actually find joy in the process itself. They don't really care about the goal. When the goal comes, it's almost a letdown or a disappointment to them because the process is over. And so we actually do something where some clients we take through process where we're actually just helping them figure out and create processes for life that life and leadership that are meaningful and that they can find satisfaction in and others we're actually helping them define clearly define goals that they can pursue because they find satisfaction in the achievement. Now, they're not mutually exclusive, but they are different approaches to helping someone chart a course or find satisfaction to leverage their strengths, to make progress and feel good about where they're headed. Um, And it's interesting that you're touching on this process piece so much.
1: Well, there's, of course, so many interesting things to to address in there. Uh, One of them is, I think of it more as a three-column system, which is you know, on one side is the like achiever, and give me the goal, I'm going to achieve it, and to to an extreme, right? And on the other side is, well, let me plan it, let me go through um, the the process, let's uh, structure it, and then there's the middle, right? And the middle is is where the the, the central column I like to call it, is is that middle space is where the process supports the goal achievement, and then having goals actually Direct the process. So we try to bring clients to the middle of where they are because we think that's where the magic is. So if you come in and say, just give me a goal, I'm going to achieve it. I think, wow, how much are you missing by not creating the space where you actually allow things to unfold for you? Right. If you come in just like, oh, I just like, you know, I, I just like the practice. Well, then we we kick into action gear, right? Act- we're very action oriented in our approach as well. We kick into a great process. Okay. So what's that process doing for you? Great ideas. How are you executing on these ideas? What's the outcome, right? And so part of it, you're right. In the assessment that we do, we we happen to use the the Hogan up front. uh, In the assessment that we do, it'll tell me, okay, this person really needs structure. So as a coach, I have to be very conscious that the experience for them feels familiar because it's not about me. It's about what works for them and I, as a coach, have to tap into my intuition and my experience to know this profile of a person moves moves forward most uh, most effectively or, or in, in, um, in the, the best way for them if I provide them a little bit of structure. This person accelerates if I provide them some goals. My job is to never give up what you're giving up by having one focus, right? So if you're all about give me the goal, I'll, I'll score. I want to back you up and create some space. So, and, and that's where coaching is so powerful because you, you do what you've always done, right? And you get what you've always got. And my job is to say, well, who knows what this person is missing? So I want to, I want to cross-train that person's operating model.
0: Well, and you talk about the experience a lot. What is the experience that you're trying to help someone create? I mean, in terms of this idea of transformation, in terms of this idea of balancing process with achievement, what's the experience have to be? Or are there components to the experience that need to be there?
1: And I want to keep this simple because you know our job is to simplify things so it seems really doable for you, right? Because if I make it like, oh, well, I have this perfect plan and this perfect structure and the framework and all that, then you're going to go home and think about it right and you know what you might be a thinker and i just i did not help you <laughs> so if you're a thinker and i give you plans to think about how did i help you get get move forward in life so so the that's why we keep it simple in terms of the general framework and the general framework is pick the coach that you feel will help you succeed that coach is responsible for creating the space and providing a framework within which you advance That advance is yours. It's your space, right? The coach is only responsible for creating that space that's unique for you, but it's your space. And so that's why I really like to keep it simple Now I can create an elaborate framework for you because if we fast forward six months, I can show you that you hit 10 familiar repeatable milestones that everyone else hit in this six month process. Now, I don't know what order they will come in for you, and I don't know what event in your life, in your career, in your business will create the opportunities for us to to work through that lesson. And that's where we we create a framework and we hold ourselves accountable and responsible to, to, to hold that space for you to move through that framework. We do not force it on you because... We believe in your uniqueness and we honor and respect your process as your process. What we do is make sure to help you move through it and constantly uh, be feeling progress in the way that's important to you. And, and, and so that you can look back and say so much happened. I didn't even know it would happen in that order, but I know things change and they change for the better and I'm the better for it.
0: Well, and this idea of space, you guys have taken to another level where you literally have space. You've literally created space for people to engage in these activities.
1: Yes, we have. So uh, so our, our business has gone through, I just entered its third phase. In the first phase, uh, I, I hung the shingle and, and moved into an office space and called a career coach, and I was the career coach. Then three years later, I really... Uh, committed to building the team, so we got a five-year lease on Forty-fourth uh, and Fifth Avenue. If you're familiar with with the Manhattan, and uh, and we we then you know squeezed twelve people into that into that space. We had three meeting rooms, and we realized that you know so much of our like two-thirds of our coaching actually last year was virtual and in twenty countries. So we realized you don't need it, right? Because the space is conceptual as much as it is physical. But we also realized that what was Unique to the experience of people who walked into our physical space was that we were enveloping them into a different experience. And in fact, when we work with uh, we work with a lot of corporations in in Manhattan and abroad, and especially the ones in Manhattan, they say, "Oh no, this executive, they're going to want you to go to come to their office." And of course, we say, "Of course, if that's the way it works out, it never works out that way. They always want to come to ours because we curate their experience uh, to the point that." They like leaving their office and taking the, the, the walk or, or the, the commute to us. And and when we curate that experience around them, it really provides for, it creates a, you know, literally a, a, a sacred space for them to to experience, to unfold and to feel, to feel safe and, and cared for in that space. So uh, last year, as we were busting at the seams, we made a, a big commitment to creating a leadership development center. We're at uh, 49 West 45th in Manhattan uh, off, si- off 6th Avenue. It's uh, over 5,000 square feet and it's a destination for coaching. So half the space is set up as a destination for teams where we have a training room, a conference room, a library. We even have a meditation room uh, and uh, and and we have that set up so that you can bring your team here. We do a lot of retreats and team development, uh, team activations, we call them. And so now we have a destination instead of a, a hotel conference room we have a destination where you can bring your team for a curated curated experience for for that activation and we have a half a dozen coaching suites for the for the one-on-one. So we've uh, we've really taken the physical experience as as part of the uh, envelopment and uh, around around our clients and their and their development and journey.
0: I love the progression. Um, I love that you are you know continuing to you start as an individual, you work into office space now you're progressing to the next stage of your own development and your own organization's development. Um, those things are really um, really motivating and inspiring to see people progressing in those ways if i'm if I'm a leader and I'm listening to this and I think, man, I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I'm ready for a change. I feel like I'm ready for something to happen. What should be the first step I take?
1: The the that's a there's a trigger point, right? There's a trigger event. So, you know, I need something different. You know, it's like when you want to lose weight and you pick up the diet book, right? Well, I don't know. I've read a lot of diet books. They don't they don't always <laughs> they don't always help in 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 the weight loss journey, right? But getting a nutritionist changes the experience. It's just like working out right getting the physical trainer changes the experience accelerates your your progress so the first thing is am i ready to commit to a relationship that i know this person will support me and and care for my journey and if i am that's the most important step then then find yourself a coach it's really simple and you can Google coach nearby. You can Google executive coach, career coach. Um, um, obviously we're, we're happy to talk to anyone. And, and the way we operate our business from day one is we, we started off with first ones on us and it's always first ones on us. Cause for us, it's not about, it, it's not about, um, you know, it's not about charging for a first session for us is it has to be the right fit. And that's why we call it the the chemistry code, right? You really have to, to talk to a couple of people and don't overwhelm yourself talk to 2 3 max coaches actually talk to them and 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 feel the person that you know will help you on your journey so really keep it simple one step at a time find you know ask for references find uh, referrals we're conductivecoaching.com if you want to call us but just but just find somebody to talk to and in that experience you're going to get a better sense between talking to 2 3 people you're going to know what works for you immediately And that's where like so many points in this conversation, we said, you got to feel it. You have to activate it, right? You have to awaken that sense inside of you that say, wow, this person can really help me grow. And I'm going to, I'm going to stop there because when you do that, that's getting clarity through action. You're already going to unfold the next chapter.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a strong indicator and a strong commitment that, to your point, demonstrates that you really are ready to do this, to take the action. Because you're not just taking a small step, you're actually uh, committing to it. You're actually investing in it, both mentally and uh, physically investing in this change. Um, And to your point there's so much that can come out of those relationships. There's something about connecting with people and relying on other people and being supported and supporting other people that encourages and makes so much of this change and progress happen. So you mentioned um, one place that people can find you. If folks are listening and they say, man, I I really want to connect with Tanya. I really wanna see what they're doing. I wanna be a part of this journey. Where else can they go to find your work and, and connect with you?
1: Uh, right now, the, be- the best place is, uh, is is on our website. And, and again, the most important thing is uh, it's just is to talk to somebody, right? And obviously, we all use uh, Zoom and video calls. Just talk to somebody. Re- reach out to us. We'll connect you to a couple of coaches you can you can talk to video with. Come in and see us. Whatever it is, uh, because when you take that first step, I, that's that's all you need to take right now. You don't need to say, well, you know, the next six months. I don't know if it's the right time. It's summer. Who knows if it's going to feel like the right time for you, but once you have that 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 conversation, you'll know. So, um, so right now, the best way is just to to reach out to us, come see us, come talk to us. Uh, we're we're available on the website, just a click away, um, and and otherwise with our expansion, with our expansion, you'll also see be seeing a lot more of us. Uh, we're on Instagram, obviously, and, and all the and all the obvious places as Conductive.
0: Fantastic. So again, that's conductive coaching with Tanya Ezekiel. Um, and to her point, a, a great step is just to reach out to a few folks and talk to them and just get a sense of, you know, it's there's little investment in it, a uh, little risk in it to re- just reach out and talk to a few uh, different coaches who might be a good fit for you and just see, is this something that really resonates and feels like the right thing? Um, and then take the step with virtually no risk in reaching out and having those conversations on the front end.
1: Whatever you do, don't overthink it.
0: Absolutely. Yes, very much. So, well, Tanya, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate your wisdom and insights that you've been able to share.
1: Thanks for having me, Kyle.
0: Absolutely. Well, everyone, thanks for listening in to another episode of the art of strategic reaction. This is Kyle Brost, and I will catch you on the next episode.